We're going to uh, continue in John 9, uh, the healing of the blind man. I want to go back over uh, and point out some uh, allusions to you uh, in this text. Because you see, remember, John sees the Word of God acting. And that means he penetrates to a much deeper level of the action. Uh, I wonder if I could think of another example quickly. You've all heard my Smith-Jones example, right? Um, I wonder if I, I could change it to O'Reilly and that wouldn't do the trick, would it? Um, but we'll take the prime example, crucifixion. What's really going on there? The whole world is being saved. That's the inner dimension of that act. How do you mediate that? The way you tell the story, you see, the narration, uh, the allusions, the vocabulary, and the rest. Huh? And finally, it is accomplished, and bowing his head, he handed over the Spirit. Why hand it over? Father Dula Potiri went and did a study of that word, paradirume. It's never used that way, to mean die, ever. We used to translate it, gave up the ghost, if you remember. If you don't remember, but we used to. Um, he handed over the spirit means he handed over the spirit. It doesn't mean he died. He, he did die, but the way it's said. So you see, the way you, the vocabulary, we've done this before, the vocabulary that you use sets the tone of voice. So John, the father of all Christian mystics, uh, sees what happened there and tries to mediate it to us by his language. So here in this event, um, the, I'm going to go back now I'm in verse 6 of chapter 9 for the moment. Remember the disciples asked him, well, who sinned? How come he's blind? And uh, Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents, but rather that the works of God may be manifest in him. And saying this and so forth, he spit on the ground and made mud from the spittle. That's an allusion to Genesis 2. There's going to be a new creation here. Remember how God took the, the, the dust from the earth and uh, formed it into Adam and then breathed into it? Well, this is the Word of God who did that, doing this, you see. And then he says, go to the pool of Surua, which means scent. Now, uh, this pool is down at the bottom of the hill. It's the pool that uh, was connected with Hezekiah's tunnel to provide water for uh, uh, the city while it's under siege, you see. Uh, sometimes, you see, for instance, in Isaiah 8, 8, 6, because this people has rejected the waters of Sh Sh Shiloh, that flow gently and melts with fear before the loftiness of Raisin and Remalial's son and so forth. You see, the notion is, Shalach means to send. And so there's a whole beautiful play on words 
um, regarding this pool. And Paul and John tells us that, right? Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. He puts in parentheses for the people who don't know the whole Jewish background, theological background, to which he is alluding by saying this, you see. It's another text. It's in Isaiah. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, Genesis, rather. The, uh, the uh, mace, the ruler's staff, will not pass from uh, Judah, nor the staff from between his legs, until he comes, who is Shila, Shilo. In other words, they don't know exactly how to punctuate the word. But, um, in other words, until the one sent comes. Now, you can speak of water as being sent in that it flows, you see. So, so go to Siloam. Let's go to the one sent. The next time he says it, see, the man is saying, you know, how did your eyes open? The man called, the man called Jesus. Who's the man called Jesus? Adam. The man, Adam, called Jesus, okay? Go to Siloam and washed. Go to Siloam and wash. Go to the one sent and wash. I didn't want to go over all of this the last time. I thought it would be nice to just, you see. And then the next challenge in verse 14. You see, um, it was a Sabbath, the day when Jesus made the mud. Therefore, he broke the law, as we saw in chapter 5 when he told the man to carry the mat. He made mud on the Sabbath. That's against the law. You see? So, what do you say in, the, in verse 17? What do you say about him? Because it was your eyes that he opened. And the blind, the once blind man said, He is a prophet. This man is moving in faith. You see? Uh, and then finally, this is as far as we got last time, they call in the parents and say, Is this your son? I was born blind. How come he sees now? And so uh, uh, the parents say, um, we know that this is our son, that he was born blind, but how he sees now, we don't know. And who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. Now, the Jews had already decided that if anyone confessed him as Messiah, he would be put out of the synagogue. And remember, I ref ref reflected on that in the Yamnia, and uh, there was a, uh, the, the uh, added to the blessings was the curse of the Minim, remember? Uh, the um, curse of the heretics. Well, the heretics were the Christians. So if the Christ those who believed in Jesus are standing in the synagogue with their relatives and friends, and now they're all going to curse the Minim, they can't curse them. So that's how they pick out who the Christians are and say, oh, say, okay. Now, we begin from that point then, uh, because we're going to have many more overtones in this text before we finish. Okay? So they called the man a second time, the one who was blind, and said to him, give glory to God. That is, speak the truth. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, I don't know if he is a sinner. One thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. Now, who is this man? This is every Christian. The healed beggar on trial. We are always on trial. 
The very word paraclete, as I think I pointed out before, is a word that comes from juridic altercation. Is the one who can give you ideas, defend you, console you, maybe even speak to the judge. That's a paracletos. And so, why do we need a paracletos? Because we're on trial. Always on trial. And our job is to witness. Witness. Where, where does that word come from? You see? And a witness, by definition, is somebody who knows the facts first hand. You can't say, well, I heard that Jesus is the Son of God. You can't do that and be a witness. You've got to say, I know Jesus is the Son of God. Then you're a witness. So this blind man, you see, he's every Christian. A healed blind man on trial. That's us. Blind beggar on trial. Um, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I told you already, and you didn't listen. You can hear John. There's a bit of humor here. little chutzpah. I told you. See? Why do you want to hear it again? Is it that you want to become his disciples? This guy's having fun, huh? Uh, and so, and they heaped abuse upon him and said, You are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. This one, we don't know where he's from. The man answered. Now this is the blind beggar. You notice how he's growing in wisdom as he bears his witness? This is where we learn, bearing witness. The man answered and said to them, Now this is astonishing. You don't know where he's from, and he opened my eyes. Now we know. Now he's going to give them a theology lesson. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if a man is devout and does his will, that one he hears. Notice how this he's grown into being a theologian based on experience. I know what Jesus did for me. That's all I need to know. And then I fit into the whole and find myself into the whole plan of salvation. Throughout the ages it was never heard that anyone opened the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. He's giving them their chance, isn't he? Yes. They won't take the chance. Why? Well, it threatens them. And he's lower class. He's a blind beggar. I'm a Pharisee. I'm a theologian. I'm a whatever. I don't have to listen to that kind of stuff. Even though what that man is saying, enlightened by experience. I can tell you one thing. I was blind and I see. I can tell you that. That's what it means. See, if we're going to bear witness, we have to bear witness to what we know firsthand. I can't walk into a crowd and say, St. Thomas says, St. Teresa of Avila says, when you're preaching on the streets, you've got to start by saying, you know, you don't have to be dominated by fear and drunkenness and uh, oversexed and we're afraid of death and wondered about money. You don't have to live that way. Somebody says, how do I know that? Then you say, look at me. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. That's how you evangelize on the streets. I've done it, I know. The first is a witness. Then 
open up the Bible and show them who Jesus is. Little by little. But first you've got to be able to talk from your own experience. This is what Jesus Christ has done for me. That's the blind beggar. See why he's every Christian? Okay. Um, now Jesus heard that they threw him out. And finding him, he said, Do you believe in, now notice the title, the Son of Man? And what's he saying here? Have you read Daniel? No. He's saying, do you believe in me? I'm the Son of Man. I'm the distillation of humanity. I'm the Son of Man. Do you believe in him? Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? And now notice the beautiful answer. You have seen him. Because your eyes are open? No. Because your heart is open. You have seen him. And the one speaking with you is he. He then said, I believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. And now our Lord begins to unpack. It's over. The significance. For judgment. I came into this world that those who do not see much see and those who see might become blind. You don't have to become blind. You can thank God for greater sight and receive it as a gift. God opened my eyes. You know, doesn't that happen in prayer? All of a sudden, you know something you didn't know before. God opens our eyes. Now, some of the Pharisees said, who were with them heard this and said to him, Are we too blind? Jesus said to them, Notice the way he tells the truth. If you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now you say, we sin, we see, your sin remains. You see? End of story.